we are going to dig into God's Word, but we are going to do it a little bit um, unusually in the sense that it's two verses, right? So if you've come here like at this point in Colossians and you're like, man, they're really focusing in on the do this kind of rulesy stuff. Well, yet we, we really dug into the other stuff as well. We're just, we're just working our way through. So um, what I might do now is just open up uh, to Colossians. If you've got a Bible there and you like following along, um, I encourage you. I think it's a really helpful thing to do. I'm just going to read to give us just to get our minds soaked back into the gospel and what, what it is to be united together in Christ. Um, just going to read a little bit from the start of chapter 3, 3 verses 1 to 4, and then we'll read our two verses for tonight, which is verses 20 and 21. So let's read God's word together. <clears throat> if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's who we are in him. Our life is hidden in God. And so, as God's household, we get to the household code bit. We get to chapter 3, verse 20. Let's hear God speak again. Children, obey your parents. In everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. All right. Now, kids, kids, I don't know if you guys like this sort of thing, but I don't know if you like, you know, running around crazy all over the shop. But I'm going to invite you. Do you guys want to come on up? Flick to the next slide for us. Do you guys want to come up front? Because this is like the bit where this sermon is like the adults, they don't get to... We're just going to pretend they're not here, right? They don't matter, right? This is the kids' bit. And I know that my kids aren't here and a few other kids aren't here. But come up the front row. Anyone who still thinks of themselves as a kid, probably not you, Bart. I know you probably do, but no. Just, just the, 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 yeah, come on up, boys. That's the way. Sit at the front with us. Feel free to um, because this is your bit, right? Oh, yeah, Oscar, that's my man. That's the way. All right. Good stuff. Now, this is the thing here, right? They had lots of these lists of household rules in the ancient world, like, do this, do this, do this. But none of them said anything to the kids, right? They didn't ever have like, hey, kids, now this is what you do. So what I want you to see is when God wrote this, this verse for you, he actually wrote to you. Like this is a letter to you. This is God saying that just as much as he said, you know, husbands and wives are a part of the church and like, uh, you know, there might be slaves and masters in the church. Kids, you're just, you're just as much a part of the church. There's not adult church and like kids church out there. You guys are it. You matter. You're a part of this, Right? All of you little munchkins, even Fletcher down in there, okay? So, Fletcher, to you, obey your parents. Now, God wrote this so that you'd remember just how important you are to our church family. And Jesus was like this too. Do you guys remember what happened when the kids were like, oh, we're mucking around and playing and we want to get muck around with Jesus as well? And the adults were all like, no, 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 no. So don't waste Jesus' time. Do you remember what Jesus said? What did he say? Yeah, he's like, no, don't kick the kids out. These are, these are the important ones. These are the ones that the kingdom of heaven belongs to, the little ones who know that they need me. Unlike these adults who sort of feel like, oh, I can get on without Jesus. We've got our own life sorted. And so that's this beautiful thing that Jesus and Paul actually really care about kids and treat them like they matter. And they do that. If you could flick up, I don't know if you got that verse that I requested late. Thanks, Gideon. Um, they do that because... God created all of us in his image. So if you're thinking, right, who is in God's image here? You guys, my kids at home on Zoom, hey to all the other kids and everyone else on Zoom, um, 
you guys are all just as much like an image bearer of God as an adult is. Like, you're no different. You're no less important. Not at all, okay? The world is supposed to respect you like it would respect God because you're like God's sort of ambassador to the world, okay? And that's why God's got some instructions for you here because you're royalty, right? You guys are like, you know, princes of the realm. Well, princes get responsibilities, okay? And your job is to obey your parents, okay? Now, why? Well, there's a few reasons, but the most important one is straight from this passage, and it just says here, because it makes Jesus happy. It makes Jesus proud of you. It makes him pleased. When your parents ask you to do something, and it's hard, and it's annoying, and it's really difficult, and you do it anyway, even if your parents don't say thank you, Jesus knows, and he is in heaven pleased because of your heart and your obedience. It puts joy in his heart every single time. Like, I'm not sure if you guys get this, but you get the, the person who invented the concept of fun and invented humans who holds the whole universe together, what you do makes him happy. You're not a nobody to him. He knows you. It's a beautiful thing you guys get to do. Little old you can make the king of the world smile. And in fact, I bet you please Jesus today. Did, he, did any of you guys obey your parents today? Oh, that's some, <laughs> some like, oh, no, I don't think I did it anymore. See, I, I bet that you guys would, you would have done your jobs, you would have done things that are part of your household. You would have, I bet you guys please Jesus 20 times today just by doing the things that you know your parents expect of you because you want to honor your parents. Now, God says we should do that in everything all the time. Now, kids, that doesn't mean that you don't tell your parents that it's hard. Like, you can go to them and say, oh, Mom, what you just asked me to do was really, really hard. That's actually a good idea. It doesn't say here, obey, be quiet, sit down, shut up. Never tell your parents how you feel. God doesn't ask you for that. But he does say, make the attitude of your heart to obey them. With only one exception. Oh, yeah, he's picked up at that one. Yeah, one exception. Don't have to do what your parents say. If what your parents says would make Jesus angry. If what the, because, I mean, the whole point, the reason why we honor our parents is to please Jesus. So if what our parents told us to do would make Jesus angry, it wouldn't make much sense for us to do it. Now, that said, you guys have got parents, they're not, they're not going to tell you to do things that make Jesus angry. They're not going to tell you to sin. So, when you're cranky, when it's your sister or your brother who's actually done the wrong thing, and it's not you, when, when, when your dad smells, that's for me, that's a lot of the time, when, 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 when dinner wasn't what you're hoping it was, when it doesn't taste like what you want, when, when all these things are really, really hard, in that moment, just remember, you get to make the king of the world smile when you obey your parents. That's for you guys. Now, do you have to obey all adults? Nah, because they're not all your parents, right? Now, you know, sometimes we get, parent, we get uh, police or teachers and they're in charge of us, but adults obey people who are in charge of them as well. That's not an adult's kid thing. We respect everyone. But God's not asking, asking you to trust or obey a stranger. Never asks kids to do that. He says, obey your parents. Even another adult at church, God isn't asking you to obey them. Now, if you're doing the wrong thing at church and some adult points that out, yep, you know, stop doing the wrong thing and, and you know, we should please Jesus by doing that. But he's telling you, who do you obey? You obey your parents. It's not just every adult gets to tell you what to do. So if an adult asks you to do something that seems not okay or not cool, Go straight to mum and dad and say, hey, this adult just asked me to do this thing. I don't think it's very good. And I'm not going to... And go to them, sort it out with them, help, get them to help you, okay? Cool. All right. Hey, God, uh, God loves these, these kids. You guys, you know, should we pray together for kids?
Let's pray for kids. Everyone, let's all pray together for kids. Heavenly Father, you love these kids, the kids who are watching you on Zoom, the kids who are sitting there just sort of gooing and gawing, and all they know is they want some milk, but they will not be kids forever. But God, while they are kids, please help them to obey their parents because that pleases the Lord Jesus. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Cheers, lads. It's time. All right. Fathers, particularly fathers, but also mums, here it is for us. What is our job? Don't provoke your children. Don't provoke your children. Now, of course, this applies to all of us as we engage with children. So this is no one here this is meaningless for. But here's one way, to, here's one way not to do this. Do not make little jokes that are fun for you, but frustrate, provoke, or annoy children. They notice it. Okay? Now, for example, um, uh, Bluey is great. And um, because Bluey did it, I thought that I could get away with this. Right? So I don't know if you've seen the episode called Pool, but in Pool, um, Bluey's uh, dad uh, decides, well, he, he forgets to, to bring along the food and he forgets to bring along the pool toys. And so he gets bingo on one side saying, I'm bored. And says, hey, hi, bored, I'm dad. And then um, uh, the other side, Bluey says, I'm hungry. He says, oh, hey, hungry, this is bored. Um, and just, you know, it's great. And, and I just thought, uh, this is great, I'll, I'll get away with this. Because, you know, I could use this on Elena because it's bluish. You'll like it. It'll be all good. But then uh, when I tried it, she just got super, super angry, right? But then later on, I just thought maybe I could just sort of start it as a running gag between us. And I said it again. And she got really upset. And rightly so. You see, she'd already told me what she thought of that. She'd told me she didn't like it and didn't want me to do it. And so what I did was I deliberately misconstrued something that she'd said when she said, oh, I'm hungry, deliberately changed the meaning of what she'd said and therefore ignored what she was saying about how she feels in order to make a joke. It's not a big deal, but do you see how for her it was? See what I've done? When you analyse it like that, what, what, what made me think it's okay to treat any other human like that? Now, I don't mean the original joke. You can make a joke and have a kid not like it, that's fine. But I mean doing it again after being asked not to. When we do that, particularly when we just excuse it, oh, that's my personality, or that's just how I am, that's how I relate to kids, I'm, I'm this. There's an emotional immaturity that's present there, right? A spiritual immaturity that says, I want to engage with you in this way and it doesn't matter if you don't like it. Fathers... Don't provoke your children. All of us do not provoke children. Now, why is it fathers, though, specifically? Because it says children honour your parents, obey your parents, sorry, earlier. But why dads specifically here? And I think it's dads because you've actually got the most power, or potential dads, you will maybe one day have, the most power, the most privilege in your household. See, most of the time, you're the most physically intimidating. You just are, if you're not trying to be. Quiet or loud as a personality... You're physically just the most powerful and you've got a heart that's still affected by sin. And you know what sin does? Sin loves to blind us to the subtle ways that we use our power to get what we want without even, without even trying to. I remember one time uh, we were trying to get the kids to go to bed. Of course, this is what my kids look like you know, when they're going to sleep, just serene, perfect, never a, never a uh, you know, problem. And, and, and you know, I just... Uh, I just Wonderful dad, and you read the books, they're all great. Now, 
there was this moment when there were three kids saying various things to various parents. I'm frustrated by the different conversations that are going on over the top of each other. I'm trying to get the kids to go there. They're, very, they're raising various protests. I think their protests are not, not with... Not with uh, not with good legal grounds, um, I'm, and, and I'm just I'm struggling to deal with this. And what I found myself doing with my older son, who was then trying to talk to me, I was trying. I, I spoke over the top of him loudly to say, "I don't care what you're saying." I didn't say that with that attitude or heart, but it was just like in the end, I, he was trying to talk, and I cut him off with the strength of my voice and the strength of my authority to get him to do what I wanted. Now, I didn't listen to him when he was speaking, which is a value that we have in our household. We listen because we love. And I used the strength of my voice and my authority to stop him from speaking. Now, was it, what was going on there in that moment? Did all of a sudden I decide that Fiotti, because he's you know, only nine years old, is, or yeah, nine years at the time, um, that he's not fully in the image of God? Is he not worthy of respect? No, of course not. Absolutely do think that. It, well, in the end, it was just simply because this soft sense of power that I have as a parent, I could get away with it. I could make it happen. I could feel justified because I'm just trying to get the kids to bed so that they'll have a good night's sleep and so that they'll wake up feeling good in the morning. But how did I get it done? I'm louder, I'm stronger, and I have the position of authority, and I used it to declare now was the time for me to speak, not you. Now, you might think, actually, that's okay, isn't it? As a parent, haven't you got the right to do that? And, well, you do have the authority to use when appropriate uh, as a parent to, to just unilaterally decide things and the discretion to decide when it's appropriate. But why did I use that authority then? And was it right to do so? Was I right to use that discretion then? See, later on, when I had a clear enough head to see it, of course not in the moment. In the moment, I felt completely justified and absolutely like it was the right thing to do. But later on, I realized it was because it was convenient for me. See, emotionally, in my heart, I needed to get the kids in the bar so they could go to bed. It was just too hard. But why was it that in that I allowed my words to be important and to need obeying, but his words not to be important and able to be spoken over the top of? Look, there were reasons why, like, I, I knew that, what I, I felt that I knew what he was going to say, and I think I was probably right about what he was going to say, and I think that I think that I was right about what I was saying about the situation, and he was wrong about what he was saying about the situation. That's what I was thinking in my head. And, but I acted as if that gave me the right not to listen to him. I provoked him by caring more about my desires as a parent, which are understandable ones, good ones, than about obeying my own principles, the Bible's principles. I didn't attend to his experience and patiently help him calibrate his reality with, in love and safety. I told him you, what you have to say and how you're feeling about this situation doesn't matter. I didn't say those words, but my actions proclaimed it. So what would have been a better way to parent? Maybe to actually to obey my own rules. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I began with this C.S. Lewis quote. Um, this quote that the alternative to rules is not freedom, but the unconstitutional and often unconscious tyranny of the most selfish member of the family. <laughs> All right? um, and if any of you have someone in their family who has just got a fantastic sort of ability to manipulate the situation via tantrums, then you'll know, you'll know what this tyranny is like, right? Um, and I think in this example, I was being that member of the family. 
See, in that moment, my felt need of bringing order to the situation was more important to me than actually obeying the rules that we'd set out for our house. I was acting like my emotions were more important than Fiotti's. And it was an issue of my emotional immaturity. See, the, the, the discouraging thing for him in this, and that's what I'm told not to do, to not provoke my children because it will discourage them, is that I'm explicitly saying to him things like, don't speak over the top of your brother. We listen to each other in this house so that people feel loved. But later on, I'm telling him implicitly, if you think you're right and if you're more important and more powerful than the other person in a situation, oh, then you can. Then you can speak over the top of someone else and that's fine. Or maybe... By my interrupting, he would receive the message, we don't speak over the top of people, but you really aren't a full person with the full value of a human being. In fact, you should expect people to overstep the rules and boundaries and your boundaries, and you just have to put up with it. See, the way we parent teaches them things. See, that would be discouraging for him. I potentially discourage my child, undermine my credibility as a parent and normalise the abuse of power to my son all at once. Now, I know that I'm taking a simple thing, understandable, we do all the time in little, little ways and, and sort of picking it apart as harshly as I can, but there is something here, is there not, about our attitudes? Now, it says not to provoke your kids because you'll discourage your children. Literally, you will, you will take away their courage. They will become spiritless is the word there. And we've got to be careful what we want from our children. Do we want compliance or do we want them with a full heart, a full spirit? We want them to have an obedient heart, yes, to us and to God. But this passage here emphasizes something else that we want in them. We want their heart. Do not provoke them, Paul says. Do not squash their spirit. Now, I had to say sorry for this, which was, of course, awesome. It was beautiful. Because it started to undo, even just in that moment, the damage that I had done. He started to be able to reevaluate the things that I had sort of taught him. So, oh, maybe, oh, but that was a moment of weakness. That's not how dad wants to be either. Actually, maybe, maybe I can't expect that my words should be listened to. In fact, now that's what he's saying. He's apologizing for that not being true. I should actually, even if I'm more powerful, take care of the less powerful one and listen to them. What dad did was not how he wants me to live all the time and how he wants me to live. But mostly, I got to model to my children the one thing that I want them to be. Repentant. Like if there's one thing that I want my kids to grow up learning from me, is not that I'm awesome or how to be awesome, how to be godly. I want them to learn how to be dependent upon Jesus' forgiveness and to be able to say sorry. And so they got to see me ask, they got to see me do the right thing. Acknowledge my sins. Confess, to their, confess my sins to God and to the people that I've hurt and ask for forgiveness from both. So fathers, parents, it's our job to have a handle on and understanding of ourselves and our emotions and what's driving us in a given moment. Now, John, John Calvin uh, famously shaped his two volumes in the Institutes of Christian Religion on knowing God and knowing yourself. He said there's two things you need to know in the world. You need to know God and you need to know yourself. So why do we need to know ourselves and our emotions well? Well, it's because otherwise, the, my felt urgency that, oh, this must happen, this should happen, it always was like this in my household, will actually trump discipling my child. And I won't even realise that my emotional immaturity was the problem because I don't know myself. 
I don't get me. It's worth asking the question, what's really driving my urgency here, my anger here, my need for silence here? And to be real about that. And be honest about it. And it might just be that you can't handle it. <laughs> and that's okay too. Also, hey, hey, kids, sorry, I can't process this right now. We need to be quiet because I can't handle it. I want to listen to you individually later because I can't do it right now. But we can't make the kids pay for that. We can't make the children pay for our emotional state. It's our job as parents. Check our own, check and take care of our own emotions so we don't take it out on them. One of the funny things about it when we do it um, is that when we do act in that way that I did provoking my children, we actually can end up provoking them to actual rebellion. And so in the long term, when we overstep our own boundaries that we set for ourselves and provoke our kids, it'll work against us, make the household a harder place to be, not an easier one. And so in the end, if, we, if we're not careful, we end up sacrificing love in the moment for this short-term perceived efficiency of getting the kids into the bath or whatever. But that's a false economy in the long scale as we want to see our kids grow up to be formed in Christ's image. Now, we do this, I do this, but when it happens, we need to confess it to God, confess it to our children and repent of it. And when we do that, we need to trust that Jesus' death on the cross is enough to cover that sin, that his grace is sufficient for us. Because it is. Some situations are impossible. We have limits. We will not get this right. I get this wrong every single day. But God's grace and forgiveness means that we can, we can be curious about where our immaturity has hurt our kids. Like, oh, I wonder where. It, it definitely has. The Bible says it, it will have. Oh, I, I should investigate this. This will be interesting. And not be scared of it. This goes for all our relationships, by the way. Any relationship that you're in, you can stop and think, oh, but how is my sin making this relationship not as good as it could be? Don't freak out about that. It's normal. It's, it's how it is. We get to be curious because God's already forgiven us and loves us. Um, there's this great little, um, great little passage from Calvin. Can you flick forward? Um, it says here, until people says man, but until people feel that they are cherished by God's fatherly care, they'll never submit to him in voluntary obedience. Until people feel that they are cherished by God's fatherly care, they will never voluntarily submit to him in obedience. See, I think he's right. I think as God's children, we need to lean into his fatherly care for us. Now, see, you might think that you've actually done the wrong thing, either as a kid with your dad. Maybe you've realized that there's some ways that you've actually acted towards your earthly father that's, wow, actually, I need to go say some sorries. Or maybe towards your children, and you're feeling bad about the way that you've parented. Now, the thing that's interesting here is the devil will seek to use the intimacy of these relationships to convince us of things that aren't true. You see, we love our kids so much that if, that if, if I've hurt them, that seems horrible, unthinkable. And, it might, and the devil might try and grab that and make us feel like that's just the unforgivable sin. 
Because those, because that relationship is so, so important. But it works in the other direction too. Because our parents are meant to love us the most, if the devil could convince us that we're alone and unloved by them because of, look at the way they treated you, and make us believe that therefore we're also alone from a heavenly father and that he doesn't love us either because we're not lovable. Look at the way, you've been, look at the way your parents are. You're not lovable. You can make us believe these lies in these spaces. And so we think that either us or our kids are damaged beyond repair. Maybe we feel like we're worthless. But it's not true. Remember Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. We have been raised with Christ. God has resurrection power. There is no thing that can happen that he cannot undo. There is no evil that God will not only use to bless his kingdom and bring about his plans, but will also use to bless his people for their good. Romans 8, for the good of those who love him. God, everything will end up being for the good of those who love him. Now, I find that really hard to believe. I've been shedding tears this month, these last two months, over believing that for myself. That's what God says to us here. In um, one later little section, I don't have it up on the slides, but I want to read this out. John Calvin's talking about um, the way that God parents us. He says here, Similarly, sorry, pardon me for the language, I won't be able to translate it into an easy-to-understand version, but similarly, what great occasion he gives us to contemplate his mercy when he often pursues miserable sinners with unwearied kindness until he shatters their wickedness by convincing them of their sin. No. Until he shatters their wickedness by imparting benefits and by recalling them to him with more than fatherly kindness. I don't know about you, but I've felt that at times. I felt disciplined by the ridiculous grace that God has shown me and felt like that just made me feel small and pathetic because of how much love was there and look at the way I've been treating him. You see the more than fatherly kindness that he has for us. Let us lean into that. That's how he's parented us, with the grace of sending his son to die for us so that we might be his children again when we deserve not even to be his hired workers, like the prodigal son, what we should be. And it's as we lean into that, it's as we lean into his fatherly goodness, that both as kids wanting to obey our earthly parents and as parents wanting to, wanting to not provoke or exasperate our children, that we will do that with a full heart of joy because of the degree to which we have been loved by our Heavenly Father. So kids, obey your parents. Parents, don't provoke your children, for it pleases the Lord, and we don't want them to be discouraged. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the children's soul. Lord, we won't be a perfect church family for them, but you will be a perfect church father to them. And so, Lord, we pray that we would continue to and work hard at not provoking them, but to point them towards you, the great Father, who's, who breaks our wickedness by your fatherly tenderness. Father, we, uh, we ask for us as, as people who all have, have sort of got parents, parent figures in our life or, or just memories of parents, that we would always honour them as you'd have us do. And Lord, for those of us who are under their households, to obey them. Father, we just pray that, that our sense of your love for us, our conviction about your fatherly care for us,
would fill our hearts with love so that we would want to do this. We'd be encouraged to do this with all of our heart. And we ask this so that we might please our Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we ask you for it. Amen.